birds are singing, the sun is out, spring has sprung. Has your wardrobe followed suit? If not, you can get a refresh with Bombas, my favorite brand for socks, tees, and underwear that also has an amazing mission that we support wholeheartedly. Because for every incredible comfy item that I get from Bombas, they match with a donation to someone who is unhoused. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use code hard things for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash hard things and use code hard things at checkout. Think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this. There is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs, and that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand, and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddlers in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets it's match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. And I continue to believe that I'm the one for me. Okay, go ahead. Say it how you want to say it. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. We Can Do Hard Things podcast. Good job, babe. That was really good. I should let you do it more. <laughs> go, you go. You okay, go. sister's not here today, but the person who is here is very, very exciting to Abby and me. Yes. Because the person who's here today is an IRL friend. Yes. In real life, for those who don't know that yes. acronym. Yes. In real life friend. So we've been talking a lot about... Abby and I's new commitment to figuring out what friendship is and to trying to have it. Mm -hmm. And the person who's here today is one of those people who is one of our guinea pigs, (laughs) our friendship guinea pig. Oh, the one we're trying friendship out with. We are trying friendship out with this person. Yes. So this person means a whole lot to us. But what I want to tell you is the, my first experience with our guest today, who is Cameron Esposito. I'll stop being so dramatically cryptic. <laughs> yeah. It's so cute when you do that. I know, because I get so excited. You know, I'm like really nervous right yeah. now. My yeah. hands are sweating as usual. And I just want to tell this story because, and it's a little bit gross, but just it's important to me that I tell it. So <laughs> can't wait. We were on the Together Tour a long time ago. Someone said this comedian Cameron Esposito is coming and you all are going to freak out because she's totally amazing. And we were like, okay, that's great. Cameron comes on this stage and for these events, we were all sitting on the stage together. Okay. So we were all lined up in couches behind Cameron, who was on the front of the stage. Cameron started to do her set, which is a fancy word comedians use, which I've learned since I've been friends with Cameron. Okay. (laughs) Cameron started doing Cameron's set. Uh And you'll remember this night. 
actually peed in my pants on oh, stage. That's what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. So real, I real could pee. not yeah. real pee on a couch <laughs> in front of 3000 people. I wonder how that must feel. It for was Cameron. terrifying. And then I to had hear. to figure out like, what am I going to do? Am I just going to carry on? Which I did. And I know it sounds weird, but it doesn't sound weird to people who have had babies. It just it just happens. Yeah. I, on trampolines, no when Cameron's around. I think that Cameron's the funniest person I've ever met in my life. Yep. She's she's freaking hilarious. Yes. She's kind of like one of those prophet comedians who says all the true things. She's like a priest comedian, which we'll find out. How about we talk to her since she's sitting here and we could just be saying these things to her. That's right. Cameron Esposito is a queer Gender non-conforming stand-up comic, actor, writer, and host. As a stand-up, Cameron has headlined tours and festivals nationwide and internationally. As an actor and host, Cameron has been seen across television and film, appearing in big-budget films and beloved Sundance indies, Mm. and on a million streamers. Cameron hosts a popular podcast, Query, with some of the brightest luminaries in the LGBTQ plus community. Her first book, Save Yourself, which I freaking love. Yep was an instant bestseller and is available in paperback now. And very excitingly, Cameron is now on the ABC series, A Million Little Things. So. So exciting. Listen. She's got tattoos. (laughs) I think we should talk to her now. Let's start with this. So Cameron, as you say, right now, right now today, your true bio is that you are a big gay adult. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, sort of small. Yeah. Small, big gay adult. Yeah. Right? Right? Yes. Okay. But I think I'm Abby's height, but that's not true. (laughs) And we found this out in a green room once because I had my arm around Abby and I turned, there was a mirror and I said, literally, I think I said, and we're the same size. I don't know why that was the summary of our hangout. We'd been hanging out before the show. I turned, I said, and we're the same size. I think I am nine inches shorter than Abby. Anyway, but just- Cam, you are. You are. I just, I mean, I hate to break this to you, but you're actually my size. (laughs) But I've got big dog energy. Yeah, Not that you don't. Yes. That's right. Anyway, you do. You have big dog energy, which is why you feel like you look like a big dog. But what you really look like, Cameron, is a big gay adult, is what we're trying to. Right, right, you do. Mm -hmm. But you started your life not as a big gay adult, but as a little gay kid. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm so glad we're starting by talking about this because for me, you know, a lot of stuff that I've been thinking about recently is also as a little gay kid, but also like a gender non-conforming kid. Mm-hmm. Even when I wrote, because some of this is from Save Yourself, that qualification as a little gay kid. But I think a lot of what I was talking about was gender. Mm-hmm. When I wrote this book, which was just a few years ago, that was not something that was on my mind the same way. I feel like when I came out 20 years ago, I was like, okay, well, first the word that I used was gay. And then eventually I was like lesbian. And then eventually I was like queer. And I still use all of those words. Mm -hmm. But I think the other thing that was going on when I was a little kid is that there's something going on with me that I notice and that other people have always noticed that is not quite a woman and also a woman. Mm -hmm. I feel like gender fluid is a word that's making sense to me right now. Mm -hmm. But a lot of what I was writing about when I was writing about being a little gay kid is that I was like Robin Hood for every Halloween. And I (laughs) 
collected Kens. And I was only ever Joseph when my sisters and I were doing the nativity play. And when I was in fourth grade, I auditioned for the male lead of the school play. And my school called home to ask my parents what they wanted to do about this big problem. Big and problem. Um, my parents said, was she good? They were like, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm obviously you're talented. Good. Right. Um, <laughs> So they let me do it, but the school wouldn't let there be just me. So I had to split the performances with a guy. There was like a guy that they, so they were like, we'll do this, but not totally. For real. Um, That's so weird. But all of those were childhood experiences. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of what I've been thinking about over the last, even just couple of weeks or months as things have been coming out in Florida and Texas about children and preventing teachers from talking to children about the actual world. I've never been different than this. And I don't even know what this is, but I've never been different than this. I think it's so, and if anybody wants to see some hilarious educational IG videos, go to Cameron Esposito's IG page because thank you. Because These last weeks have been really weird Mm -hmm. in our community. And it's almost like part of my consciousness has to forget that Florida exists and that Texas exists in order to like live. I don't need to tell you to this because you've recently lived in Florida Mm -hmm. and I have not. Mm -hmm. But those are our people. That's right. I mean, I travel so much for work and I have traveled for I've been doing this job for 20 years in some capacity. And I often think that there's this weird, especially like in the last couple of election cycles, there's this like coastal elites versus like people that live everywhere else. And I will just tell you, queer people are everywhere. I don't need to tell you, but Mm -hmm. for any of the listeners that might not know this, because maybe your job doesn't put you in every situation, queer people are everywhere and like can't leave. Also sometimes don't want to leave. That's where that person lives. And so I, I think when I think about these folks, it's like, yo, we are we are there. Like that's us, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because you're talking about your childhood and knowing that there was something you were that was unique and maybe not as common in everyone else. You call it left of masculine. You, you are often being mistaken for a boy, but it was also largely about your body. Mm. just your body, right? Like people commenting about your body, because I think it's interesting that you're talking about, like, I'm doing a lot of this right now, stuff I wrote in Untamed that doesn't exactly feel right anymore. And lots of it's about gender and sexuality. Wait, what am I talking about? Because when I read your book, it's all in there. I'm like, wait, is she talking about sexuality right now? Wait, is she talking about gender? Wait, is she just talking about body dysmorphia that anybody can have? Because people who live in women's bodies are just open for debate. Everybody can just comment on your body. Yep. That's what happened too to you, right? Yeah. And I mean, you know, because we've talked about this as human friends, I have a very complicated relationship with Mabad. I mean, I think there's a couple different things going on. And some of this I'm actually experiencing in like such a hot way because I'm on a network TV drama right now. Mm -hmm. So I've done everything in comedy, but when you're doing something in comedy, you can kind of be like, I'm joking. You know, even (laughs) if you're like the love interest, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, we're kissing, but like, "Eh, 
you know, take it or leave it. <laughs> yeah, you're, it's, it's not as vulnerable. You can have like an armor, but you have to be yeah. earnest in acting. Exactly. And so, so on a drama, on a drama, a million yeah. little things is a drama. My character is supposed to be like hot enough <laughs> that Grace Park's character. <laughs> Somebody I've been watching on TV since Battlestar Galactica and like think is amazing. My character has to be hot enough that Grace Park's character would want to slam them up against a wall for one of those classic TV makeouts that we all know so much about. Oh my God. Kevin. Like, and, and my shirt has to come off oh and all this God. stuff. Um, and I had to believe that that is true, which has been like a really wild thing because I think even. I don't even think we're used to seeing somebody that looks like me on TV, period. Correct. Yes. But then especially that's not undercut by joking around. Yes. Yes. And then the thing I've got going on with my body, which is that like, I have a, you know, kind of a angular and sharp face <laughs> and giant sticking up hair. Um, mm-hmm. And then I also have like um, D cup breasts mm-hmm. and- uh, some Italianness going on. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? I think it's like I'm actually supposed to live in like my because I'm. I think my. I think I'm actually supposed to live in like Rome and be like airing laundry out the window, like like uh-huh. hey, and all my children are supposed to be around and like body wise, I'm supposed to be soft. Oh, God. But I want to be hard. Got yes. it. I like do a billion push-ups to be like, please. God damn it. I totally get this. Make my arms the way I want my arms to be. You know, I a hundred percent get this. Yeah. And so this body stuff has been happening my whole life. I think maybe a reduction eventually could Mm. be something that happens, but I'm not really looking to have top surgery. I'm not really looking to be on um, hormones or anything Mm -hmm. like that right now. Um, which some people are an awesome rad for them. It's not really what something I'm looking to pursue. So it's just kind of like, I feel like a confusing presence, mm-hmm. but there's also no change or finish line that's going to unconfuse people. Right. Nothing's coming down the pike <laughs> that's going to make people unconfused. I said this in like Instagram recently, but it's like, I'm still, I feel like a centaur, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, there's like half of this, half of that. And it's just like, here that's you right. go, accept this. Oh my you- gosh. Do you feel, and this is, I'm going to drive people nuts with this question, but I just can't stop asking it. I'm so badly trying to understand what is gender. Mm. Is it even a thing? Like Mm. I can't find it in me. Okay. I can't find it in me anywhere. I don't feel like a woman. I don't feel like a man. Like, I don't know what it means. It just seems like something that was like a role that was assigned to me. And I was like, I can do this. I'm an A plus student. Like I can, I can be the femmest femme that ever femmed. <laughs> but I have never, not once, and I just told Abby this, I have never looked at a picture of myself ever yeah. and been like, that, that looks like me. Oh, wow. Never. Oh, Glennon. Oh, that makes me a little, I want to, that's so intense. Oh, I, know. I have actually. Tell me, I have, tell me what that feels so, like and like what, where, what is gender to you? And is it in you or is it just on <clears> you? Are you performing it? Is it intrinsic? What is it? Such a great series of questions. Definitely on, right? Def, like definitely on because I have been cultured as a woman. So I have a woman's experience, mm-hmm. but then also definitely in. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think. Mm-hmm. I will say there's something like, oh, I mean, I hope this isn't othering, but like 
you and I, Glennon, is who mm-hmm. I'm talking to right now, we relate to each other in one way. Mm-hmm. And then Abby and I, we relate to each other in a different way. Yeah. Like totally across a room, Abby and I are going to clock each other and like do, there's two options. You could do like a head tilt or you could do like a, a bro hug yeah. where we're going to like kind of tap each other the on the bro hug upper is so interesting. wings, upper wings. but I'm never going to touch Abby's ribs, you know, but if I hug you, I'm going to like hug you, hug you in a totally different way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Maybe Abby and I are like the same parts of a magnet yeah. and um, huh. you and I are on a spectrum, maybe not so similar mm. also doesn't mean we're so different. I don't think of it as like mask and femme. I don't think of it. It's not like there's like two, right. You know, but I do think that there is something going on because I, I, because I can place people who are like me. Mm-hmm. So there's something going on. I don't, maybe it's limiting, but for me, it's like, I want there to be some stuff that feels like me. Otherwise I feel too floaty in space. Mm. Like when you were asking about pictures, when I see Harry Styles or David Bowie, that looks like me. To me. <laughs> okay. Maybe the rest of the world doesn't think that looks like me. I do. I think that, I think you're correct. I think that looks like me. Mm-hmm. So what is that? That's still something, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's who I want to dress like. And in terms of pictures that I've seen that look like me, um, I actually like to wear makeup. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how to put it on, but I like to wear makeup, but makeup that like, I literally have a makeup artist that I've worked with for a decade because makeup is a part of my job. And she and I really know each other well. And <laughs> I've asked her to refer to lipstick as men's lip tint because it just makes me feel more comfortable. Sure. Yeah. I like to have my cheekbones highlighted and, um, well, well not highlighted bronzed. Okay. Um, and I like to have my nose bronzed and mm. it's that stuff. It makes you more angular. Mm, um, interesting. And I like to have my eyebrows filled in, which again is like a way of sort of rebalancing the face. Sure. It's odd to think that, um, that makeup might make me feel more myself because I do identify as masculine center, mm-hmm. but it does because it's like this sort of glam Bowie version. Yeah. Of myself. And then I like to have my hair all big and sort of foppish um <laughs> and i like to wear suits but i like those suits to be sort of tailored yes um i am so i know? love i think it's so cool that you know all of those things you have figured out how to match your insides with your outsides mm-hmm. you know because i think when people ask me like why is your hair always so different like when sarah paulson talks about playing me she says one of the things she's excited about is changing like how can anyone change their hair so much i think i'm just tr- always trying to figure out what do i look like yeah <laughs> You know, I think that's really common, really human. I think part of the reason I figured this out is because I've been in like the pressure cooker of mm-hmm. having, it's just like part of my job to mm-hmm. display. When I first started performing, I I was just like in college and I was just doing improv kind of like to survive because I was closeted mm-hmm. and I was at a school where you couldn't come out. You could be kicked out of school for being gay. Catholic and I was, school, right? You're in yeah. Catholic school. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I never saw that happen to anybody, but it was literally, you were not protected by the non-discrimination policy. Mm-hmm. There were 4,000 people in my class. My first girlfriend and I, we eventually went to like the commencement ball, the end of senior year sort of college prom together, really worried that we would not be able to graduate. And there were 
two other gay dude couples that made the same choice to do Mm. that. So there were six of us in my class of 4,000. And I also didn't know anybody else in other years at that time that were out. So there were like 12,000 undergrads and there were six of us. So anyway, comedy was a place that I could be seen Mm -hmm. for something that felt Mm -hmm. true, even Mm -hmm. if all of me couldn't be true. And um, I didn't really know that it would eventually lead to like a job. Being slammed up against the wall. (laughs) I I didn't even know it was like a profession. The weather's getting warmer, which is wonderful because we can say bye-bye to big bulky sweaters and jackets and hello to shorts and tees. I just ordered three of Quince's muscle tanks. Check out their European linen shirt dress. I got it in the blue and white stripes. Classic. It's beautiful and summery and gorgeous and linen, and it was less than $50. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, and Quince cuts out the costs of the middleman and passes the savings to us but they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. You will love all of it. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash hard things for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e.com slash hard things to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash hard Thanks. In Save Yourself, you said, somewhere around the same time that my internal shame alarm started going off, I started leading a double life. I joked instead of crying. Mm. I shoved my pain way down and put a joke on top, Mm. getting funnier and funnier by the minute. And then you say 11 was the age my self-hatred became, how do I say that word? Sentient. Sentient. Right. I wrote down on my notes, Glennon became bulimic. Abby became a soccer star. Cameron became funny. It's like, it's like, it's that idea that from eight to 12, cultural scientists tell us like, that's the age where you start to really internalize your formal indoctrination and you start to like split and you become something to survive. Mm. Do you feel like that's what happened to you? You became funny to survive? hundred percent. Yes. I didn't realize this until just a few years ago, but I think I was pretty badly bullied as a mm. child. Um, I thought that's how everybody was treated. I had um, glasses and braces and a bowl cut, and I was something weird was going on with my gender, and I was gay, and I was, and I had crossed eyes. This child, <laughs> there was a lot going on, mm-hmm. and so I think I just made the joke first mm. um, to sort of be like, I know what you're going to say well, here's an even funnier spin, right? Um, Mm. And also to sort of have value to people. When I wasn't, like, I wasn't able to play the game of being sort of a girl that might be valuable for some other stuff that women are valued for. That's right. This is all garbage, by the way. Yeah, it is. It's not like I think this should exist. It's true. But it it was was another way of making myself valuable as a friend or as um, a student, those types of things. Um, So yeah, I I got super funny. And actually, I have in the last couple of years, like really wondered about the 
long-term viability of that skill set because I took it to like its end. You know, I was funny, 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 and then I was funny for a living, and then I was having success in in that area, and then I um, was married, and that marriage was ending, and it was the first time in my life that I was not. Well, for a while it was like private, so I wasn't able to talk about it on stage, and then I it was really sad. Mm -hmm. Like I was sadder than I was funny about Mm. it. That's actually a good thing because it changed how I make friends Mm -hmm. and how I use, um, I like overdeveloped that skill. So I never really told anybody the truth about what was going on. I just told them like, here's the saddest thing you've ever heard, but we're all chuckling about it. You know, it broke my, my sense of humor broke for a while, Mm. which actually is one of the best things that ever happened to me. That's how we started trying to be friends with each other. I wanted to talk about this. I think it's so important. It was like you and I figured out that like, oh, we just take our trauma and pain and then we spin it up and then we serve it to lots of people. But we don't do the middle step, which other human beings do, which is talk about it with other human beings and have actual friends. Yes. You just perform it. And so we were trying to be like, like you recently reached out to me and said, I'm having feelings and I would like to talk to you about it instead of the internet. Yeah. Like that that was the text. Can you talk to us about that? (laughs) This is a rule I have now. It's a rule I made for myself. And who knows if rules are good, but I actually think this one is pretty good, which is that I don't bring something to the internet or to stage that I haven't told someone else Mm. interpersonally. That's good. Um, And I think part of that is, you know, when you do stand up since public speaking, and I'm sure you get this all the time too, Glennon. And actually I even feel like I know how hard this is for you a little bit, just from, from knowing you, people will talk about public speaking as being the most like, Oh my God, I can't believe you do stand up. Like that's so hard. And I'm like, I don't know. Different people have different skills. Some people are a brain surgeon, you know, (laughs) that's the first thing I'll say. Yeah. The next thing I'll say is like, that's not hard for me. Mm. Like it's not that the skill of stand up isn't hard. Uh, You know, any skill is something you can work on over time, but standing up in front of, um, you know, 2,200, the largest audience I've ever performed for is 40,000 people. Mm. That that is like safe. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's much worse. Talk to one person that you have to ever see again. Oh my God. No, nope. That's, that is impossible. <laughs> Talk to thousands of people that are going to leave. Great. Easy. Like, <laughs> yeah, no problem. There's no intimacy there. There's um some spiritual intimacy, but it's not something that you're going to have to grow. You know, I'm not going to have to show up and have these people know me. That's right. That's right. Oh, is correct. I just want to say this thing because I think it's, Abby and I were laughing so hard on the street last night. We were walking home from dinner. So that text, Cameron told me some of the feelings she was having. I wrote back and said, I don't want to be the annoying meditation person, but I feel like maybe this is how I feel when I'm not meditating at all, what you're saying. So have you tried meditating? And then there was a pause in the text. And then Cameron said, well, the thing is I'm in Canada and they don't have that here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Did you did you try the meditating and did it help? Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. 
I really appreciated the reminder. And yes, it did help. Again, you know, performing and stuff, people will ask what the experience is like. And I will say you are on, one is on drugs. The way that it affects my um, adrenaline and my, the chemicals inside my body is that I am, I am in an altered state. So like performing kind of makes you just want to, if you're a certain type of person, perform more. Yeah. Um, oh, if you're a certain type of person, like everyone on this podcast. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of makes you want to perform more. When I was texting about this, it's like I had been on this, sh- I, you know, been working that day and it's like the up is so intense. Mm. And I think I was trying to stay up. Mm. Like, what else can I do? You know, I have a day off. I'm like writing think pieces. I'm like pitching <laughs> TV show. It's literally like, no, it's <laughs> sit down yes, or, or walk and listen to something and, you know, yeah, come down a little bit. But I think once I'm in that state, the last thing I want to do is come down. How is it going for you? The creating more friendships, the reaching out to human beings. How do you feel more tethered to the earth when you do that? Does it help? What are the challenges? It really does help. I just said this, I'm repeating myself, but it's very hard for me. It's very hard to be known. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very hard to be open to suggestion if you're a certain type of person. I don't want people to know I don't have it figured out. That feels embarrassing for some reason. Mm -hmm. We don't know why that is. That's not a healthy reaction to not having it figured (laughs) out. And also like, I want to move, you know, I want to move like fast and loose and Mm. have... (sighs) Mm-hmm. sparky flame out relationships and do a completely wild job and fling my body around the country in a plane. That's like what feels normal to me. Mm. Chaos feels Ooh. Uh, calming. Ooh. And Ooh, that really hit me. Yeah. Did it? <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's something. Chaos is so in my in my my experience, chill. Just like a um, whoop. Let's go. Yeah, I just feel like I can relax. I'm like, oh, thank God! Finally, the world feels like I feel. Finally, mm. there's not like something I'm not doing or something I could do better. Everything's so impossible that it's like, oh, I can really chill out. Um, wow, cool. So anyway, that is what I'm trying to instead have connection and friendship and have the ability to stay Mm -hmm. the ability to like um not run toward or away Mm -hmm. but just to like hang i'm finding that a lot in my romantic relationship i'm finding that a lot in having friends that i go back to again and again um i have hobbies I'm finding that a lot and having hobbies. Give us a few of them because there's a there's an S at the oh, end yeah. of that. What are the I love, hobbies? I love, I love my hobbies. I run. I have a running partner. Wow. I, like that is so bonkers to me. But I have, I have a running partner. I have a running partner I run with. I, ha- I go swimming at the YMCA that is in my tiny mountain town that I live in outside of Los Angeles. I take dance classes, which wow. is really cool and new for me. Um, like ballet and bar classes, which is so wow. and gender challenging. Mm-hmm. I was just going to um, say, how, what outfit do you wear? Great question. I wear like a t-shirt and sort of like, I guess, yoga pants. But you know, when I was a little kid and I took a zillion ballet classes, like the boys would wear, they wear like black tight pants and a t-shirt. Way and so cooler. that's sort of, 
That's what I wear, basically. Yeah, Mm. Yeah, that's what I wear. These are all body things. This is interesting. You choose things that get you back into your body. How is it going with like having to take your shirt off on a million little things and being this like confident in your body type person? Like, how is that all going for someone who's struggled with body dysmorphia and eating and your boobs and all the things? Like, how is the experience of it? Right now, I can see you're moving around a lot. You're (laughs) stretching. You're right. These are all body hobbies. We could also talk about theology. That's something else we could talk about in a minute. We're going That's my to. other hobby. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I am trying to y- utilize my body as like a better vehicle for my spirit these yes. days. For a long time when I was using my body, it would be like alone. Like I'm like, I hike in the woods. No one's there. You know, like that's Oh, interesting. Yes. Other people have to be around. Huh. I don't know. Well, I'm experimenting with huh. other people being around. I did play team sports for a lot of years, but then Soccer. after that, I don't know if <laughs> But then when when Abby was continuing that trajectory, then <laughs> that was no longer a part of my life. <laughs> I think I felt like I just didn't want anybody to look at me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And nobody's looking at you, but I really felt like even if they terminate or scan past me, but don't <laughs> register me, I don't even want that. I really like using my body and I really like moving around. I've got a ton of energy. Mm-hmm. I have been challenging myself to be with other people. I don't know anything about bodies or food or whatever. Everyone knows that I'm not an expert on these things. I'm still working on it every minute, but it feels like it must be a move towards health to be doing them with other people because- mm-hmm. Like for eating, I don't like to eat with other people. I don't like to any exercise with other people. Abby always trying to get me to go to these classes. It sounds like the most vulnerable, horrific thing ever. I walk by myself. That's right. I do yoga by myself. Yep. If if I'm at a dinner, I'll like not eat and then eat when I get home. It's there's something about the isolation of it that feels Community disordered. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it's moving in the right direction to be like vulnerably sharing those bodily experiences with other human beings. That sounds right to me. I also will say to like be working on my strength a little Mm -hmm. bit more with these things as opposed to um, limiting food intake because I have had a massive history of disordered eating and that can still rear its head where I think like that the solution is – eating less, eating different types of foods that are super restrictive. It's just a different way of, for me, of like being in touch with my bod. Cause again, it's also not like, uh, three hours on a treadmill alone. Right. It's sort of like what the class says mm. we're doing. That's so good. I don't need to say what we're doing. That's for sure. That's right. I should never be in charge of what we're doing when it comes to that stuff. (laughs) I just think it's really interesting talking about the body and gender and how, Cam, both you and I are a little bit non-conforming gender-wise. But I think it's really interesting because when I think of myself, I think of myself as an attention seeker. And and by Mm. hearing you... um you've just said that you're kind of like an attention avoider and this gender thing is something that actually brings me maybe the most attention in my life. Right. Hmm. So I don't know what the question is. I just wanted to make that point that like 
if you were to have like a lineup of like people, if you're Terminator scanning, it's like people stop at the confusing one, which is me. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and, again, and I love that like, for some reason. <laughs> you love it? I you love like it. it? Yeah. Except in a women's bathroom. I hate it. I'm like, oh God. I mean, that's so interesting that you like, so this is a thing that I, when it was brought to my attention, I, it almost broke my brain. One thing that's true is I cry constantly. <laughs> I cry all the time. I have oh. a lot of emotions. I only found this out a couple years ago because <laughs> prior to that, I was allowing zero of them to exit my body. It's in and your then book. When I, it's in your book yeah. that you didn't cry. And so now yeah. you cry. I cry all the time. Oh, I that's cry. wonderful. Yeah. yeah, thank you, my friend. That's all of wonderful. your support on this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> never cry. I basically like never cried one time until uh-huh. I was 35. <laughs> wow. And then anyway, I cry constantly. My spouse, Katie- is very gentle, mm. calming energy. Correct. And well, one thing that will happen sometimes is that if she might hug me, if I don't even know I'm going to cry yet, this is true. Sometimes I'm laughing and I'm going to do a laugh to cry, but I don't know that's going to happen. Mm. But Katie knows that's going to happen. <gasps> oh my and God. And she'll do a little hug on me. And it's terrible because it's like, oh no, now this is going to definitely happen. And I can't believe you noticed. And then <sighs> something I would say to her when she would do this was, don't notice me. <gasps> so she like hugs me. I would go, don't notice me. But I would say it frequently, but I didn't even realize I was saying it. And then she's a very noticing yes. person. <laughs> and yes. so- so she mentioned this to me one time that I would say, don't notice me. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's it. That's it right there. That's it's it. like, I feel over noticed mm-hmm. in my life. I feel like for my whole life, I've been over noticed about like being a little kid, people telling me I'm fat mm-hmm. when I was like, also not fat, mm-hmm. um, being a little kid and like, my clothes are the wrong thing or getting served, but that feels dangerous because mm. it feels scary. Mm. And I don't know, when's this person going to find out they've made a mistake and have they made a mistake and, you know, huh. all of this. And so I just feel overnoticed. And I think that's, again, when you think about someone like stand up, um, it's like, okay, fine. You want to see like, but you have to pay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I get to be in charge. Yep. And I can kick you out. That's right. Like, it's like, it's a. And it's not a conversation because you don't get to talk back. No, no. Yeah, exactly. It's a monologue. Yes. Your part in this is laughing, which is like actually a submissive posture in the primate (laughs) kingdom. So um, I will, you want, if you want to notice me, come right in here. I will uh, control and dominate you for an hour and uh, it will be like wizardry and also kind of spiritual. Yeah. you can go home. I find it interesting that I can speak to thousands of people and feel fine about it. I feel like I did you your service. I gave you good things. But if I'm sitting in a room with people, I feel like a burden to them. I'm like, I feel like I'm so sorry (laughs) that you have to listen to me talk. I'm always ending conversations quickly because I assume the other person just wants to leave. Like, I feel like what I... I don't, I, I'm on a stage because we've already decided what the transaction is and you can't say you got into this accidentally, but if I'm hundred percent. Okay. Okay. No, I love this. I'm just thinking about how I've never, never one time. Ha- well, I've been experimenting with this recently, but 
until about a month ago, never have has a therapist ended a session <laughs> with me. It's always like I'm like looking at the clock and then I'm like, all right, well, I think it's time to wrap Same. up. Like, like <laughs> Remember our first phone conversation ever? Oh my God. We were on for five seconds. I was like, okay, so it's a good day, Baba. Are you having a good day? She said, yeah. I said, okay, well, this has been great. (laughs) And I was like, wait, you're not going to do the thing where you're just like too nervous to keep talking. Like we're going to have a proper conversation here. Like you're not just going to get off and be like, oh, okay. That first call's over with like, no, I want to actually talk to you. But isn't that weird to say like, to believe that people want to talk to you, like you're not a burden. Like in order to have a friend or be a friend, you kind of have to decide that you're not a burden. Huh. Yeah. And the best way that I have found that out is that I now call people when I have something that I like to speak with them about or text them. That has created a situation where other people do that in my direction. Ooh, do you like it? And so I know it's not terrible. Oh, okay. And instead, I realize that it is someone trusting me. Mm. And it feels very, it's like an honor, mm. you know? When you, you call me also, or text me, I feel it is an honor. Yes. And you you have also called and texted me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, for me, when it's going out, vomit, I want to die. Mm-hmm. But because I've, experimented with that and other people have done it back. I know how it actually feels to receive it, which Mm. is like, Oh, it's like amazing. Yeah. Oh, this person wants me in their life. Yeah. 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 And then you feel a little bit tethered to the earth. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. friends. That's what friends. It's friendship. friendship. It's this friendship (laughs) idea, which is confusing to me as gender. Okay. If you want to learn something new, would you rather learn it on your own from a random teacher or from folks who are the best of the best in that skill? I think I know which option most of you would choose. That's made possible by Masterclass. In recent months, they've added classes from the likes of Ava DuVernay, who gives us tips on how to reframe our thinking in all walks of life. One of our personal favorites recently was the one-on-one time we got with Amy Poehler in her class on preparing to be unprepared. So good. With Ava DuVernay. With over 180 world-class instructors and a 30-day money-back guarantee for new members, there's no reason not to get started today. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash hard things. Masterclass.com slash hard things. I want to talk about you when you were little. You wanted to become a priest, but of course you couldn't become a cre- priest because of the vagina, right? You almost said you couldn't become a creep. <laughs> yeah. A creep. There was, there was a little bit of Freudian slip in there. You almost wanted to be a priest, you but of course you couldn't be a creep. Anyway, but uh, it was... <laughs> And so you became a comic yeah. where you could hide in plain sight, right? They yeah. always say the best place to hide is in plain sight. So That's you decided right. to get on a stage so you could hide there. That's right. So, exactly. so no one would notice the real you. Okay. Yeah. 
I just think it's so interesting and cool. And I think you're you're a priest. You are a priest. Yeah. The way you use stages and the way you use your Instagram. I mean, everyone has to follow Cameron on Instagram. Yeah, I think so that good. Cameron is probably my favorite follow. Seriously. I mean, I, 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 I've watched your videos. Over you- and over. It's subversive and it's everything comedy should be. It doesn't feel like I'm being educated, but I am. And then during COVID, Cameron signed up for a bunch of college divinity classes. Is this the yeah. case? Can you talk about the situation with you and faith and learning yeah. and teaching and the fact that you just didn't get the hell out and get as far away as you could? I love this conversation so much. First, I want to say this because when you were saying hiding in plain sight, that is so, thank you for giving me that language. That's so beautiful. And it's like, yes, I have recently been realizing it's like I created like a little avatar, like a little fighter, like in the video game of life, I created like a little fighter who wears motorcycle jacket and (laughs) holds a microphone to kind of go out in front of me. Like there's the real me. And then there's like this little, there's this, it's a, it's a dissociative, like protection of my little self. And it's actually very sweet in that way. Thinking about like taking care of myself like that, especially at a young age, but then still now, like where there's somebody being like, I got you actually, like you hang out back there. I got this one. And then that high haired (sighs) stand up comic goes out ahead into the world and takes care of my more tender self. Very sweet. I am hoping that other people know that. I'm hoping you two know that, that we do little soft guy. And I think you do for a long time. I was hoping you wouldn't. Um, anyway, don't notice me, but yeah, don't notice me. (laughs) Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I was raised Catholic and I loved it. My sisters were raised Catholic. Couldn't give two shits. I loved it. I thought that, uh, Jesus Christ had some cool stuff to say. And I thought that philosophically going in the temple, flipping tables, I, I thought that was awesome, you know, and I was really into a sort of leftist socialist revolutionary Jesus who also is accepted at by certain communities like the Jesuit community for mm-hmm. instance so I went to Jesuit college and that's what I thought I was getting into when I became a theology major was was like we're gonna like <laughs> fuck some shit up that's what I thought Cameron. yeah <laughs> I thought, I thought I was yeah. joining the people who were ready to fuck some shit up. I didn't know I was joining the people who wanted to keep building the shit. Exactly. You go, oh, you're the shit factory? Oh, no. This was all colonialism? I didn't realize. I thought, like, I thought this was something else. It's like you you go to join yeah. PETA and you end up at the cattle ranchers convention. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I started reading what the church had to say about women first. I like, even before I realized I was queer, I started reading what the church said about women, not the Bible, like the teaching, the stamped teaching Mm. that comes from the Pope and his friends. Um, And I was like, oh, this is uh, nothing that I agree with. And then also (laughs) the spotlight papers were happening at that same time. I lived in Boston. That's when the Catholic church sex abuse scandal was really being talked about for the first time. And I was just like, none of this. And I left, like, I like left hard. Mm -hmm. I was truly like, I believe in all this. And then the next day I was like, actually just as a correction to myself, none of it, I believe in none of it. And I'll leave it here. Um, and then that's how I operated for a long time. However, stand up 
as I've been saying, has always been spiritual for me. There's a feeling when I'm performing that I am actually connected to the audience, like physically, like connected through breath. Mm-hmm. We're all like regulating our heartbeats mm-hmm. together in a room like that. One time I was performing at a show and I felt like, this is in the book, but mm-hmm. I was like, we're trees. We're all trees connected through a root system. And then afterwards, after the show, I hadn't said this on stage, Reggie Watts, who's a the band leader for the James Corden show, was like, hey man, I liked that set, but what I loved the best is how you were all trees connected through the earth. He said that and we hadn't, I hadn't spoken about it. So my point is, something spiritual is happening. Yes, it is. Stand up. Yes, it is. But in the pandemic, when everybody was baking bread, what I was doing was reaching out to like eight different master's level theology programs, looking at their course descriptions, writing to specific professors and being like, can I take your classes? Because I'm thinking about a career change. Maybe I'd like to be um, like a non-Catholic priest. Almost all of these professors said yes, because when a stand-up comic <laughs> says, <laughs> I'd like to take you. I think that they were just genuinely curious. Yes, of course. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Sure. Um, so I took all these classes and one of the most impactful for me I took them at a bunch of different institutions on a bunch of different topics. And one of them was at my college, at Boston College, Mm. where when they called me, they used to call me and say, like, do you want to give, do you want to donate to the school? And and very early, I said, I will donate to Boston College when you apologize for the way that you treated me and the other queer students that went there and continued to go there. And um, they never called me again. So they must have ticked off. Um, like, uh, non-complying over there. She'll never. Exactly. She's never going to donate. She's to check the gay grievances box. Gay grievances. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I went back to BC because the head of the theology department when I was a student there, who was somebody I really loved and was close to, was teaching a class called Literally Just Forgiveness. And, um, so I wrote to him and I was like, Hey, I don't know if you remember me, you know, I was your student 20 years ago. Uh, Can I take this class? And he was like, Oh, I just was listening to you on NPR. I followed your career. I Mm. like, think you're awesome. And please come take the class. And I did take it and we're still in touch and, and are now good friends. And I will say that like, it didn't bring me back into a place of being like the church rules. But what it did do is make is help me realize that like <sighs> these are all just people. Mm-hmm. And as an adult with all of my faculties and like the ability to support myself financially, you know, I was a dependent child when that was happening to me mm-hmm. in college. And even I wouldn't have even gone and gotten like therapy on campus or anything like that because it was all not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a terrible thing to do to a young person. Yes, it is. But like as an adult going back, I think I just got to see that these are people who are doing the best and sometimes somebody's best is pretty bad. Um, and it's a bummer for someone to not have the experience and exposure to be able to like really live the word that they say that they're living. That mm-hmm. sucks for them. For them. What a what a huge bummer for that person. Mm-hmm. 
That's beautiful. Well, I mean, I got to get there somehow. I just don't have it yet in my heart to forgive them for Mm -hmm. not just my experience, but like for your experience and for all the fucking millions of us, millions of us, probably billions of us in the history of humanity that has suffered at the hand of this just like, we're here as a community to support you, to love you. And also you, you don't get to be a part of this community if you're this or that or this or that. It's just so hypocritical to me. So I love that, that maybe one day I could find forgiveness in my heart. Yeah, there's a freedom to it. We just interviewed Ocean Wong and he was talking about how if you're carrying the weight of that constantly, then it's like, what do you get to do that's creative in your life? And so many people have from marginalized groups have talked about that, this like the the opportunity cost of the resistance of that constantly is that you're always directionally moving against something because yeah. you're still just living your life in reaction to the man instead of choosing how you get to live your one beautiful and precious life. So I think that is probably what forgiveness is. It's not like I feel good about you anymore. It's just, I'm sick of holding you. You don't deserve it. I love that. Right? Definitely. I think that for me, it was, I was consumed by hatred. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, congrats to those people, places and things that I hated because like they got so much of my time and energy. Yes. Like that's such a win (laughs) for them. (laughs) This is, this is an evolving thing for me. I don't think I've hit some finish line here, but it is that thing of like, what is forgiveness? Is it like, I send you on your way sweetly, or is it just like, oh, you're wrong. Oh, well, you know, like, is it, mm. is it like forgiveness maybe really lightness? Mm. Yeah, lightness. It's putting something down. It's directional to me. And it's so, like, and- I will no longer live that way towards you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to yeah. move onward. I bet you it had to be very healing to also take the class from the place that probably brought so many of these feelings inside of you. I, I find that interesting too, yeah. because we all wish we could find healing separate from the thing. And it's very annoying that sometimes it's like when somebody gets a snake bite and then the antidote to the bite has to have some of the poison from the bite in it to heal it. That's how I feel about people who get hurt by the church. I think this is right. I can't even remember where I found this. I was really in this deep dive on forgiveness. This is like what I was spending a lot of my pandemic on is like, what is, I was so angry at so many people, places and things. And I was like, forgiveness, this is what I need to spend my energy on. I came across this like Buddhist teaching that was like running away from something and running towards something. That's the same thing. So to need to leave and get the hell out of here, which is how I felt a lot of my life, or to need to find the solution and get ever so close to that which is a, a, the other half of how I felt in my life. It's like a panic. It's just like an mm-hmm. utter panic and a, just a lack of acceptance, right? Mm. It's like that things would need to be different. That's what I've been working on is less running towards in a way. Wow. And um, more deciding for yourself where you want to yeah, go. Yeah. And also more just like sitting, just like <laughs> yes. sitting still. Because yes. that's not even a decision. It's more like maybe there is no decision. It's kind of what I was talking about with the gender. I guess this is what, I guess this is what my body looks like, and it has this head. I guess that's true. (laughs) I guess that's true. It's been true for 40 years. I guess it's true. 
That's so good. Pod Squad, some of what we share with you on the show are our individual unique experiences in therapy and the takeaways that help us grow, appreciate each other, and navigate this beautiful life we're doing together. Thank you for doing it with us. But the things we talk about in therapy itself, these are things we wouldn't necessarily share with just anyone. I think there are a few things more important than finding the right person to share your deepest thoughts, feelings, and questions with like a therapist. That's why we are thrilled about Alma's support of our show. They're big believers that you need the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. Alma helps you to find a therapist who gets you based on your needs, someone with whom you'll feel comfortable, heard, secure. Plus, and this shouldn't be overlooked, over 96% of therapists at Alma accept insurance because you want to pick someone based on the right fit, not just based on finances. You can browse their directory now. You don't even need to create an account. Visit helloalma.com slash hard things to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash hard things. So we were talking to our other friends <laughs> besides you and Katie. Our two other friends. Our two other friends. Okay. And they are like OG gays. They're like, what, what does OG stand for? Old gays. <laughs> <laughs> right? No. Are these original gangsters? Yeah, that's oh, exactly Oh, right. okay. So they're OG OGs. They're original gangster <laughs> old gays. And when I mean old, I mean like original. I don't mean old in age. Okay, I mean, like, they've been gays for a long time in the public eye, like you. Okay? So, we were talking, and they were talking about this sort of whiplash that they feel, because the the way that they would describe it is, like, one day, and for their whole lives, they were, like, being persecuted as lesbians, and then, like, the next day, Old Navy was, like, sewing pride flags, (laughs) and everyone was queer. (laughs) And they just say, like, where is the support group for, like, this this whiplash that has happened to so many of us where it just happened overnight. And now we're all supposed to be like happily assimilated without any processing. And interestingly enough, they're talking about what if we didn't want the assimilation? Yeah. Like what if we, part of our identity was the fact that we created this community and now everybody wants to be friends with the queers. What do you think about that? Mm. And then also- I want to know, do fresh queries like me ever annoy you? And I want to know the truth about this because I do feel like sometimes those of us who have come out in the pride flags at Old Navy era can sort of have a different energy. It's almost like Karen queer energy. Like, oh, come on. like queerins, I would call it. <laughs> okay. Oh no, did you just, is that from just now? Yeah. 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 Great! You just did it. I can't believe I was here when that happened. <laughs> just now. Yeah, just You're now. You're kidding. Yeah. I mean, I love a smushed word together. Smushed words oh, together yeah. are my jam. Oh, a portmanteau? That's my gender. Yes, 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 yes. Mousy. So you know what I'm saying, though. Like, Abby and I talk about that a lot. Like, I will right. say something and she'll be like, listen, you just got here. You just got here. Like, don't... Yeah. Do we ever, do queerins, do you ever experience queerin energy? <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. Okay. Here's the thing that I find the most annoying thing on the planet. Mm-hmm. This is to me, well, 
annoying is the right word because there are things that are like less just or more <laughs> angering. So I'll just say annoying is the right word. To me, the most annoying thing on the planet is the idea that we are somehow at a place that like being queer, being gay, being lesbian, being that's like totally chill. Right. Yes. Like chill vibes. Right. I know you have so many different types of listeners. So I mean this with love. This is often coming from the straight world mm. that seems very surprised that this is still a thing. Mm. But I'm going to tell you that it's still stressful to move into a new neighborhood. It's still stressful to be on a plane. Mm-hmm. It's still stressful to wear a wedding ring. I don't actually think we're done. Mm-mm. Now, less often am I being arrested for holding hands with my wife on the street? Like less that's often. a thing that used to happen and that is happening less often. Mm-hmm. So not that there is no change, but I do think that one thing that's very weird is like, like I feel like when marriage equality happened and it's not just that like trans folks still are marginalized and, and murdered. It's not just, it's not like, it's that like marriage equality. Okay. So we have like basic vague legal protections that like are not applied the same Mm -hmm. in every state, every city, by every landlord. Like we didn't really get anywhere. No, We got somewhere. But when we got to that place, that place was still full of tricks. Yes. So I think that's the thing that when you ask this question, I feel like the thing that keeps us all, I like being in the fight because I do think it's part of what makes us special (laughs) is like, is the being in the fight. Um, But like the queering of all things, when my straight sister is in a world where people don't talk about her child's father babysitting their daughter, Mm -hmm. like then maybe we'll be at a certain place. But I don't think we're like at a place yet. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's like <laughs> homophobia and racism, they have in our country have the don't notice me thing too. And the, <laughs> and the way they do the don't notice me thing, because racism and homophobia are legislated. Yeah. They're like, don't notice me because I'm going to go on stage and create my avatar that looks like Pride Month. Mm, right. Right. That's right. So it's yes. like, the queering of everything is only capitalism deep. It's not in any of our laws. So actually Pride Month doesn't help us at all. It's like a red herring. It's like, sure. look yes. at us, we're so gay friendly. But it, but but we need the laws to be gay friendly, <laughs> not Old Navy. And then here's one thing I just want to make sure to revisit. To your question about queerance. Queerance, yeah. Mm-hmm. Glennon, I, I didn't get to date the people that I wanted to date when I was in my, when I was like in adolescence and puberty. I like had a lot of boyfriends, which is like, I I wasn't somebody who didn't get to date people, but everybody that I was dating, they were in the nicest people. I love my friends. I was in love with my best friends, Mm -hmm. just a series of best friends. And I wanted to be loved by them, not necessarily noticed, but (laughs) loved by them. (laughs) And it was 
so heart-wrenching and it has been a formative part of my whole life is that like this feeling of wanting and not having a place for that to land that is receptive in the way that I would like for it to be. Um, and I don't feel like you just got here and I'm pissed. I feel like that sounds so hard for anybody who, like I lived 20 years that way. Um, it sounds so hard to live longer than that. Mm. Mm. And I just like, I mean, it is really hard to not be yourself. Mm. For any minute of time. That's so beautiful. For any minute of time. So beautiful, Cameron. Cameron, you are one of my favorite people to talk to on this entire planet. I basically am tearing up. This is really happening. I really, I love you and, and respect both of you very much. Same. Same. And I just want to say uh, thank you for the work that you've been doing the last couple of years, especially because um, you are always, both of you, always putting yourselves out there. But it is so intense the amount of visibility that you've both been visible for a long time, but it does feel like an increased number of magnifying <laughs> yeah, it glasses. Does. It does. <laughs> and that does seem again, really challenging. And so uh, just, I see it mm. and I love you. We love you. We love Thank you too. Thank you, Cameron. And we love you pod squad. We'll see you at the next week and do hard things. Bye. Bye. I give you. Tish Melton and Brandy Carlisle. I walked through fire, I came out the other side. I chased desire, I made sure I got what's mine. And I continued to Finally fine Cause
is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine.